G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 158 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in once again. A lot of people are asking about the sound that, uh, that's played in that music that I just uh, had then, uh, which is at the start of all our podcasts. It's actually... Uh, an instrument called the handpan, a uh, mate of mine from America, Jeremy Ardent. That's a song of his called Wind and the Waves. So if you want to Google that or look at it on Spotify, Jeremy, A-R-D-N-T, a beautiful, uh, incredible artist that plays the didge and a variety of different instru- instruments and really talented, makes a, a living out of music, you know. So he, he was um, challenged years ago as an individual and, um, and found healing through music and uh, now he makes a career out of that and... Uh, I reckon there's a big lesson in that one for all of us because if we can find something we love and, uh, and make a living from it, then our life can be a joy. So it leads me into um, introducing today's guest, uh, James Grimer. Now, James, uh, well, some of you may have heard of James. He's, uh, he's a pretty influential guy. Um, uh, he's done lots of things to be able to bring um, uh, events, uh, Tony Robbins and people like that to Australia to um, to promote uh, well-being and uh, you know give guidance and advice in the past. But um, James had his own journey uh, with Challenge uh, in two thousand and six. Um, you know all the all the normal stuff: family, uh, house, kids, um, uh, successful career, and um, in that. Uh, in that time, we're in a, we're in a short period of six weeks, he tried to take his own life six times. Oh, sorry, three times, I should say, over a six-week period. So really, to me, that says he was in the depths of despair. So we're going to talk a lot about that today, you know, what sort of took him to that moment and uh, feelings of worthfulness and, uh, and so forth and how he managed to sort of pull himself out of it. And I think this is a really important conversation. 75,000 Australians try to take their own life every year. 75% are male. So in that, uh, it's basically telling me something that uh, we're doing things wrong in many ways. We're working away from our, our alignment. We're working away from our human nature. Um, all the things that uh, keep us grounded, uh, happy, safe, and well, you know. Um, so what are some of the things we can do moving forward to be able to help ourselves be more conscious and uh, be able to live more in alignment, you know, uh, the things that we're sort of still figuring out as humans. Um, You know, James and I are going to sort of dive into that pretty deeply today, I reckon, and um, talk about, uh, you know, what we can do to sort of keep ourselves, um, you know, in check, uh, connected and, uh, you know, physically and mentally well. So really sure you're going to enjoy this chat. I just want to make special mention to Green Nutritionals who support the uh, podcast. So if you're lacking something in your diet, feeling a bit flat, their products are purely organic and available at good health food stores all around Australia and also online. Their products are also sourced from the best places around the world. So they really go to the extreme length to be able to provide quality products. And that's what we need in our bodies, not rubbish. So um, really encourage you to check them out, uh, greennutritionals.com.au. All right, appreciate your feedback. If you want to email me at the end of the, uh, end of the podcast, support at outbackmind.com.au. G'day, James. G'day, Aaron. How are you, mate? Made on well. Very uh, good. Doing good, yeah. And how are you? Um, well, I'm pretty good, yeah. You know, I, I, I've got a 
got to be grateful to be alive, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, we always beat ourselves up with all the, the negative stuff and the should-haves and could-haves and all that, but pretty lucky, you know, in many ways. And, uh, you know, I just think uh, this conversation is going to be all about the prosperity of life and how we can shape it the way we want to shape it, I suppose. And uh, we're only getting in our own road when we're not. So, um, so yeah, thanks for the reminder. No worries at all. Uh, <laughs> but they are. They're, they're very, very wise words, Aaron. So thanks for sharing. Oh, mate, so I'm really uh, grateful to have you on for a chat here. I'd look, uh, can you can you look give us a bit of a, an idea of, of of really the journey so far? Like you know, you, you, where you were raised and what that was like, and sort of coming through corporate life and uh, and so forth, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Look, in a nutshell, uh, I was born in the seventies, and <laughs> mum and dad uh, were small business owners, hardworking folks. Uh, they uh, divorced when I was about eight. I have uh, two older sisters, significantly older, so it felt like I grew up with three mums. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, uh, <it's> really <laughs> as, as, I, as I was a little bit older in my teenage years, I uh, liked the idea of, uh, I, I think uh, young men had this natural urge and calling to spend time with their fathers. Mm-hmm. So my dad had been somewhat present in my life, although I hadn't lived with him uh, up until the age of uh, 14. So from 14 and 15, I lived with my dad full time. Uh, he had a property in a country, small, very small country town. There was a town of uh, Gordon outside of Ballarat, mm-hmm. around about 300 population. Uh, so I'd, uh, up until that point, grown up in a big city in Melbourne and uh, suddenly found myself in this small town of uh, Gordon of 300 people. Mm-hmm. Lived with my dad there for uh, two years. I went to high school in Ballarat and uh, finished off my high schooling back in back in Melbourne. So I had a couple of years with my mum during high school, then a couple of years with my dad, then a couple of years with my mum again, and saw both parents obviously through those periods. Mm, uh, I came out the other side of high school. I didn't do all that well. Uh, like maybe many young men, it didn't really appeal to me. Uh, I wasn't a lover of reading books and doing essays and and some of the subjects I, I found to be difficult. I, I, I did feel a gravitation towards business type subjects, small business management. Uh, office practice at, at the time was you know sort of pre computers was all about you know uh, typing and administration and uh, and that type of thing. I liked subjects around marketing accounting economics and i didn't quite know what it was going to be but i uh i found myself uh, very drawn to the business world mm. so i'm still only young a young bloke at this point and um in my 20s i uh went to or i started working in a uh, pizza joint and i i found that i really enjoyed it so in my 20s I got into the pizza game, had my own stores, which uh, um, started off as one. And, you know, I was this sort of gritty kid that thought I knew everything and realised I didn't know very much in the business world, but slowly, uh, slowly figured it out. And that one store became two and became four. And it sounds like the story of the elves and the Schumann. And <laughs> so it became eight and, you know, 16 and 
franchised and that sort of thing. And I eventually um, I sold that. And the reason that I sold that was uh, uh, that was a journey through my twenties. And I sold because I got married, had twin boys, and I really wanted to be home more. And uh, for anyone, any of your listeners that, that have worked or do work in the hospitality industry. Uh, or, or events industries, you'll know that um, the busiest times, of course, are the most social times, mm-hmm. Christmas, New Year's Eve, public holidays, weekends, and having a, uh, a bride and, uh, and um, twin uh, baby boys uh, was not conducive to being at home a lot of the time and certainly not early mornings mm-hmm. being in hospitality. Mm-hmm. So I, I said uh, to myself, all right, well, how do I transition and um domino's pizza came along and they said we'd like to buy you out and it was great timing so i uh sold my pizza chain and moved into more of a corporate nine to five type arrangement uh, which was another business that was a registered training organization and i delivered customer service leadership management training into the food franchise sector being that that was a industry that I'd come out of and I, I knew, you know, inside out. Mm. So my clients were businesses like McDonald's, Subway, Baker's Delight, uh, KFC. If it was a franchise and it sold food, we likely did some business with them over a decade. So mm. pizza stores in my 20s, training organisation in my 30s, and then in my 40s I transitioned from uh, training the employees of businesses to spending more time with business owners. And it was uh, the CEO, it was the founder, it was the, the business owner, those types of folks that I would do business coaching with. Mm. And what I found was that um, a significant proportion of my clients were male. I think that just proportionate to the the number of business owners that are out there and probably during that period it was a bit of a higher number with with males than females and what i found aaron was that the 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 man business owner would every man at some point would say something like would it be okay if we didn't talk about business today Mm. i've got a relationship issue i've got a parenting issue I'm not sure what's going on for myself. Mm. Um, can we talk about porn? Can we talk about anger? Can we talk about stress? Can we, you know, and there was all these mm. issues around blokes. And, um, uh, and, and so that, that work then kind of uh, naturally evolved into uh, more of a holistic type of coaching. So then it wasn't just coaching about growing the business. It really evolved into growing the person mm. and then growing the business or whatever it was that that person wanted. So focusing on their relationships, focusing on their time, focusing on how they feel about themselves, all these sorts of things really led to, in most cases, not all, but in most cases, a fairly good growth in that person's business. Or, or sometimes they said, oh, actually, I feel so good about myself and really enjoy my relationship so much i actually want to scale down not scale up mm, mm, amazing. so yeah and that and that's you know up to about current day and and um yeah that's i guess the the personal professional um journey you know in a nutshell mate um 
we'll sort of duck and weave a bit through that one, but um, what was the name of the pizza franchise that you had? It was called Pizza Lovers. I don't, oh, I remember that one in Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, in Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, yeah you did well. It did, it uh, did very well. We were uh, in the, um, we had a very, very great value pizza. It was a uh, nice product, uh, good price, good price for families. And during the period that I had it was, you know, we come out of the recession uh, in the 90s and uh, there wasn't as much uh, in the way of competitors mm. uh, like uh, major food franchises that we have a lot of or even more of now. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it was a really nice time. Great pizza, great product, great, great culture. And it was a really enjoyable period. Jeez, mate, so you had this entrepreneurial capability, obviously, and I reckon, like, just my observation is you were quite lucky to have that diversity as a young fella by sort of, you know, going through school in the country but also back in the city and it probably drove you to uh, to explore what's possible. But, yeah, I'm very similar to you, mate. The whole education system, you know, was, was really, I wouldn't say difficult for me. I found the work easy, but I couldn't see the... Um, the the benefit in it you know <laughs> and to, to to have the um have the stress of a year 11 year 12 at that age is is really really you know uh not right i i, I believe to be we, we put too much pressure on our kids and um you know it's not a great way to start life but um but yeah my, my observation back then was yeah that i didn't really have uh you know a real connection with uh with part of the schooling that um was able to really support my um, higher self or intuition and, and that type of thing. So I sort of struggle when I come out of it too. But there's many guys like us, mate. And, and getting back to your your comments about the business leaders that um, that are, you know that you're coaching and mentoring, a lot of them are really disconnected from themselves in many ways, and that's why they're having issues at home with um, with relationships and so forth as well. And, and what what are some of the things you did? Um, uh, uh, with with regards to that, as far as you know, sort of identifying people's um, you know issues and, and how you actually help them move their way through. I would say that some of it was trial and error, uh, but if I'm to to really summarise it, I, I think my approach there was that no matter who I was speaking with, I was very interested in uh, trying to help them to identify what it was that they really wanted. Mm. Uh, and what I mean by that is that that often we can say that we want something, but there's something, uh, if you dig under that, there's there's uh, a greater driver underneath. Mm. And if you dig under that, under that even, there's, a, there's an even greater uh, driver or, or reason. Mm. So, for example, a man might say, uh, or a woman might say, or let's say a person, a business owner, might say I'd like to I like to be busier in my in my business. Mm-hmm. Like to have more 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 sales, more revenue. Uh, well, that's not necessarily the driving reason. Because uh, if I said, "Oh, well, why do you want to do that?" and I'll say, oh, "I want to ha- just want to have some more money." Mm-hmm. But the driving reason underneath that might be they want to be feeling more secure financially, or they uh, ha- might be having some fears about the future. You know, do, will I have enough money for retirement? And, so there's always something underneath that's 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 driving. Mm. So part of it was just just digging around uh, in in the coaching space. Uh, uh, the difference between a, 
a good coach and an okay coach is the quality of the questions that that person asks. Mm. So you just do your best to ask quality questions, you, as quality as you can, right? As quality as the relationship will tolerate. And part of the the toleration in the relationship comes from the trust that you can build with the person that you're working with. Mm. So my approach would be to to do my very best to relate to that person, to really listen into what's going on, to use my own beliefs and experiences in life to be able to relate, uh, but not to think, oh, I really understand this person. And what I mean by that is um, that, Aaron, if you have an experience, I can relate to it, but I can never really understand your experience because I haven't lived it. Mm. So rather than saying, oh, yes, Mr. or Mrs. Business Owner, I I understand exactly what's, what you're going through. That's kind of like a disconnect. Mm. Uh, rather, I'd come from the approach of saying, well, I can, I can relate because I've had a similar experience. Mm. Here's how I felt. I wonder if you felt the same way. Mm. And that person would say, well, no, I didn't feel embarrassed or rejected. I felt lonely. Mm. Ah, okay. Mm. Now I'm having a greater understanding. And, and so... By way of opening uh, conversation and, and digging deeper with this real layer of just trust, uh, then th- that's an approach to, to really figure out what's going on mm. underneath the surface for someone mm. and providing a safe space for them to really just to be able to share whatever that is. Mm. Um, from that sharing hour, and then you can... You, then you can come up with a to-do list and strategies and, you know, that uh, that's the easy part, actually, I believe. Mm. The the harder part is figuring out what's really going on, what's really driving a person's decisions, what's wh- what are they really perhaps um, fearful of. And when I introduce the word fear, um, uh, when a man particularly says stress, I'm stressed, uh, what he's often really saying is, there's something that I'm fearful of. Mm, mm. That stress might be, I'm fearful that I won't have enough time to complete this project. Mm. I'm fearful that I'll uh, uh, not, um, you know, I might lose my standing in the community. I might, mm. I might, uh, you know, this might be a reputation or a credibility issue. So things that stress men usually are, there's an underlying fear. So to probe and to ask uh, what that might be, uh can can then help to illuminate it firstly for the the person uh who's receiving the work and then the the coach the counselor the therapist the 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 best mate you know um uh, you know i don't think there's too much difference between professional questioning and and sitting at the stool at the bar over a pot you know uh, saying hey uh what's really going on for you you know That's true, mate. Um, Getting to the core of it and what Buddhism sort of taught me many years ago was attachment is the cause of suffering, you know, and uh, that's really what we what we don't sort of get as guys where we're attached to something or an outcome or, you know, uh, an identity or whatever. And that can really eat away at us, you know, to be able to let go, I think, so important and um, something that we don't do really well as guys. But um, Mate, uh, it's really interesting. I know you, you had your own um, challenges yourself. Um, back in 2006, you sort of got off track a bit 
Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Because I think it's really relevant um, to a lot of people that listen to this, um, you know, sort of, you know, life hasn't been completely, um, you know, blissful for you in many ways. You sort of went through a few speed bumps there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the point that you just made there about uh, Buddhism and attachment, I think is relative here as well. You said um, often, you know, blokes can define define themselves uh, through what they do. And you know, I think that uh, for me, my work became, or I, I was defined through my work. Mm. And when, um, which is, which is uh, well, firstly, I'll say it's common. And it's, uh, it's funny because it's something that's external that we don't really have full control over. I can invest into my work but I can't control the environment. I can't control the government. I can't control the the economic climate. And and COVID's a really good example of that. You know, there was uh, you know, so many business owners who um, who've obviously had tremendous difficulty through these last couple of years, through no fault of their own. Uh, um, no one in their right mind would have planned for an upcoming two-year pandemic and, and seeing money aside, like you just... And if anyone said that they did, I think they're, they're you know, pulling the other one, right? So yeah. they're lying about a lot of other things as well. Um, but, yeah, in, in terms of my own journey that that uh, derailed, um, you know, and just to give some background, so uh, for me that was at age 33, uh, this was a point in my life where I'd been married for seven years. I had uh, twin boys that were four, four and a half, and I had a daughter on the way. Um, I would be uh, a person who um, uh, that what society would have probably defined as being a very successful person. Mm. Um on the outside, it seemed like I was living my dream. I had a successful career. I had businesses. I had money. Uh, I was married, had kids, had friends. But on the inside, I was in pain, and I just didn't really know how to talk about it. Mm. I didn't feel like, well, maybe I did know how to talk about it, but I'd made a decision not to talk about it. I'd made the decision uh, consciously and some of it probably unconsciously, that if I was to talk about what was going on, difficulties that I was having, challenges that I was facing, that somehow I'd be a failure. Mm. Somehow I would be by maybe not right, you know, that something not right with me or uh, people would look down upon me or, um, you know, that sort of stuff. So... Uh, I did what uh, what anyone and everyone out there shouldn't do. So uh, please learn from from my error, <laughs> which is holding it all in, thinking that you can figure it all out for yourself. And over a period of about three months, uh, it just kind of got darker and darker for me. Mm. Um, so on the on the outside, it looked like everything was going well. And I kept up a, uh, this really straight face. And on the inside, I was hurting. Um, I, I was confused with my direction. 
um, you know, financially it wasn't going as well as, uh, as maybe as it looked. I was having difficulties within my relationship. Uh, there was, um, you know, raising kids and, you know, there was, there was uh, a, what felt like a compounding effect for me. And introducing a, also a, um, uh, another layer. Uh, so before we touched on my dad, uh, I'd experienced a father who was significantly uh, abusive uh, to my mother and older sisters, physically and verbally abusive. Mm. To me, just verbally i don't remember physically maybe physically but uh certainly verbally and one of the decisions that i'd made from that growing up uh from a young boy into a teenager into a, a young adult into being a married man and a, a grown man and uh, having my own family a couple of decisions that i'd made was one i would break the cycle hmm. two I would not be divorced, and three, I'd be the greatest dad in the world. Mm-hmm. I was able to achieve two of those, not three. Uh, so, and and the one that I wasn't able to achieve was was staying married. Mm-hmm. And and there was this there was this uh, tension that was going on inside of me, which was um, like I I had this uh, these difficult emotions towards my own father which was uh you know you you um you must remain married i had had some somewhere along the line created this belief Mm. and as i was going through a a sort of a difficult um period in my relationship what was going on for me was like this this tension was creating this darker place it was like well if i if i if i do get divorced then I'm worse than my old man. Mm. It was a silly thing to think, but that's 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 what was driving me. So mm. there was this there was just this tension inside. Uh, it was leading me down to a to a darker place, and by darker I mean you know some of you listeners may have experienced this that it just feels like the world gets darker, it gets grayer, mm. it gets very that well that that was certainly my experience. Mm. Um, it's like everything's bland. Uh, it's there's there's no joy and um you know the the music was dimming and you know it was just it was just it was just terrible it just felt really bad and i compounded my problem by not talking to anyone about it Mm. and i spent time laying in bed i didn't wasn't sleeping very well you know there was just this just this compounding effect many of your listeners are probably nodding their heads if, if they they've ever experienced any of this or know someone that has um it it it, it sounds so stupid to hold it in mm. but but i i chose to and i and i just i didn't even know how to start that conversation and so i so i didn't i didn't start that conversation with with anybody anywhere along the line and then it and then it just led to this um super super dark place and and um I, I, do you want me to share about that do you want me to go a bit deeper into that mate just before you do um i really congratulate you for 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 for, for speaking about it the way that you have um it pretty much sounds like a cookie cutter to my own experience as well 
Um, I had lots of stuff with my, my dad too, um, just because I felt let down and, uh, and that really ate away at me, you know. I needed that, that mentorship and, um, and, and really strong guidance as a young fella coming through. And, you know, that can be difficult for a young man. You sort of feel like part of you is missing. And, um, you know, I have my own kids now and they're, they're not living with me. My relationship broke down because of um, being in that same position that you were in. My wife never really understood what I was going through, and I didn't really understand what I was going through either. You know, so um, through so that just really destroys you even further. You go further back down into the pit with regards to it, and um, um, mate, I'm I'm really um, grateful that you you know you you spoke about that so honestly because it's very much resonated with 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 myself and I'm sure a lot of other people out there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, same right, and and then it just you know and and you know I I at that point in time had no prior history of any mental illness, no prior history of any uh, depression, mm. no prior history of anxiety. I'd I'd never even felt it or experienced it. I mean, other than you know, like coming up to to do a a talk in grade six, you know, you've got mm. like a, a uh, situation-specific anxiety, but certainly not debilitating uh, chronic uh, feelings of anxiety, depression, um, powerlessness, mm. um, uh, uh, self-indulgent pity. Uh, you know, it's just it was just a it was a it was a mess, you know, in there. And mm. um, yeah, I just I couldn't find a way to start that conversation, so I didn't, and progressively it got uh, worse and worse and worse. Now, time frame wise this is only a three-month period. Mm. So this, this, it was kind of like a wheel fell off and then it, it just it just went downhill really fast. Mm. It was, it, 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 when I think back upon it, I'm, I'm amazed at how fast it really happened. So it started off being, you know, some of the time <laughs> feeling like shit, some of the time feeling... Um, you know, um, as in, uh, so just a, a, a trigger warning for anyone you know out there. Um, you know, for me, it just it, like I started having these these suicidal uh, ideations, mm. and and just every now and then there'd be a thought that it would enter my head that would be, gee, wouldn't the wouldn't the world just be better off? Wouldn't wouldn't my family and friends be better off? Wouldn't um, you know, wouldn't wouldn't the pain just go away if I if I went down that path? Mm. And it started off just as a as an occasional thought that that I was able to say to myself, oh, "Come on, mate, that's pretty stupid." You know, <laughs> yeah. um, and and to make matters worse uh, for that that line of thinking, um, I had actually lost uh, one of my sisters to suicide. Uh, so at this point in time, when I'm having these thoughts, it was 15 years prior. My sister had taken her life, and I, mm. I saw what that had done to my, my mum especially. Um, like my, I think my mum aged 20 years in that moment. You know, she just, she's she'd never really been the same since. Mm. And here I am having those same thoughts on the back of an experience 
through my own sister, like a, a, a lived experience where I said, oh, I'd never do that. I, I'd never put anyone through that, you know, mm. and here I am now starting to have these thoughts. And it snowballed. It really did. It snowballed. Like that would have been, a, that would have been the time. That was the moment for me to speak to someone professionally, personally, a mate at the bar, uh, a brother-in-law, um, uh, a counsellor, a therapist, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, the emergency department at the hospital, somewhere. Mm. And I thought about it, but I didn't act on it because it wasn't like the, the, just the, 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 the thoughts of getting out of the pain and everyone to be better off started to actually dominate my thoughts. Mm. So, so there, there was the inclination there to take that action to, to speak to someone, but, it, but I didn't, held it in stupidly. Uh, uh, I say stupidly, uh, it's easy to look back in hindsight you know, 2020 vision. Oh, yeah. Hey, go go speak to someone at this point, and I encourage anyone at that point. All right, you know, that's the go and just go and have that conversation. Um, but stupidly, I didn't, and it just got the hole just got deeper. If it now feels like quicksand, I'm in it. Uh, you know, and it's up to my waist, and it's up to the belly, and 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 up to up to my shoulders i'm just you know it's like it's just gludgy now it's sludgy it's gray it's um the music's fading and um you know and and it, and it really got to a point where um the light went out the the music stopped and all i could think about was how not just what will i do but now how will i do it and and it was, uh, you know, in hindsight, again, I can see it's a it's a very selfish experience. And what I would say to that is, there wasn't much. Uh, um, I'm quite sure to put that into words. Like I just like I couldn't break through, only thinking about myself. Yeah. Occasionally, I'd think about others, but I was just it was just so so consuming at the that was so painful, it was so dominating uh, that I just, I just couldn't at the time and, and you know, I, I wish I could have more. Mm, um, so, you know, without going into any specific details, um, you know, I had a, a, a very desperate six-week period where I had three suicide attempts uh, ranging in... Uh, um, degree of um, like highest degree was the first one and then it kind of slowly tapered away the third one I think was just a just really a, just a cry for help mm. first one genuine second one um, uh, was was kind of like a rebound moment and then the third one really was just a cry for help this was all in a six-week period um, I ended up uh, in a facility that was, um, uh, for me, it was the Melbourne Clinic, which was uh, a designated facility for folks that have, um, uh, you know, going through these experiences. I got help over, a, well, I got immediate intervention and then I got um, uh, medical and, and psychological support 
uh, for many years. Um, uh, it was a brand about two years, and and then at sort of the end of that, um, the medical and psychological interventions were sort of slowly tapering away to the point where um, I was released and back to my GP, uh, and um, and yeah, have have uh, not you know not sort of relapsed uh, since that point. So it's been for me now. In about fifteen years, mm. yeah, mm. amazing, mate. Like it's, you know, geez, this is this is really really important stuff. My 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 vision and dream is for people not to get to that point. You know, primarily, really understand how to be aware enough emotionally. Uh, to be able to be conscious of your emotions and to be able to learn how to self-regulate so you're not burning yourself out and you're not sort of losing touch with your pure essence of, of being. Um, this is where I just think we're messed up as society in this modern life that we're in because we're sort of educated to support the economy and we're driven to succeed and we're pushed to uh, look from the outside as being successful, which is just a masquerade, I think, at the end of the day, you know. Um, we, we think that joy and happiness comes from money and, and, and assets and those sorts of things, but really deep down... I'm sure we're going to talk more about this as we go here. You know, the the real fundamentals and foundations of life, um, you know, don't don't really come from 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 success. You know, primarily we're sort of in this illusion of um, of what it actually is to be. Um, uh, you, you know, um, uh, accepted in life and accepted in society. You've got to be good at sport or, or work or, or whatever, but there's so much more to that. That really needs to be, you know, flipped around and, and, and the opposite needs to occur to get us back to our alignment again. But, um, yeah, mate, um, your story is very common and, you know, lots of common threads um, were coming through there, obviously getting to that stage in your 30s where, you know, you, you may have lost a lot of uh, connection and touch with yourself and um, and probably weren't doing a lot of um, things to support your well-being. Would I be right? Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I would say I was uh, um, heavily focused on providing. I was heavily focused on uh, doing. Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and so not caring for myself would have been uh, examples of that would have been not sleeping well, uh, maybe all, 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 of, all the fundamentals. Um, uh, my diet uh, was poorer than it could have been. I was exercising less than I could be. Uh, did I have time for myself? Um, uh, not, not, that, uh, not that I had on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, was I uh, was I indulging in I suppose what I would call preventative maintenance? <laughs> you know, uh, like just um, you know mini holidays or taking some time off, um, sleeping in, uh, the, the sorts of things that that we can do to indulge ourselves. Um, you know, some like to run a long hot bath um, or you know a hot shower or. Um, sit out in the sun or read a book or watch a movie and um, no I, I don't think I did a lot of that for you know two to five years mm. um, really if I, if I think about it probably longer um, so yeah I was very focused on um, 
on, I suppose, uh, what society would dictate as is successful, mm. what the media portrays, what uh, you touched on, you know, the schooling system and um, and that sort of stuff. So yeah, look, I uh, and I would I would agree that uh, that that's a certainly a proportion. Um, uh, and and then the rest of that um, balance of equation is uh, is my own beliefs, mm. um, you know, that I developed over the years and my own uh, drives and that sort of thing. So, yeah, look, I would say that um, I would say that I was uneducated around how to care for myself. Mm. I was uneducated around the warning signs. I had these beliefs and, and some of those beliefs have served me well in other areas of my life. I was determined and I was stubborn. Mm. And they're wonderful attributes to have when you're building a business. Yes, absolutely. And I built a good business and uh, being stubborn around your own mental health and well-being um, yeah, maybe isn't as, uh, as conducive to, um, <laughs> to being successful in that area or to being healthy and well-balanced in that area. You know, it's, um, it's amazing, like, lots of things are coming to me there, but, but really the ability to be able to self-regulate, you know, geez, we, we, we don't understand our nervous system, how to manage our nervous system primarily to be able to take the foot off the, the, the accelerator and, um, you know, just come back through the gears. So the quick fixes like the booze or the, um, the, the weekends away and, you know, the indulgence and that is only a Band-Aid primarily, you know. James, if we're going to be successful in this modern life, we've got to be able to balance, um, you know, our, um, our, our emotional capacity, but also to be able to um, learn, as I said, how to self-regulate. It's so important, you know. Um, yeah, well, you're right, Aaron, because uh, uh, when you mentioned the Band-Aid, um, uh, drinking, uh, and, and that's just, that falls under the, the just the, uh, umbrella of any type of avoidance, distraction, addiction, whether it's gambling, drinking, sex, drugs, mm. Netflix, Facebook, uh, anything that you're overly indulging in as a distraction, uh, yeah, is is, um, is sort of dealing with the Band-Aid issue and, and um, it's important, I think, to dig into the root cause of what's going on, which I think is, uh, uh, so, you know, how you feel at any given moment is the sum of uh, how you feel in um, in all the little moments of your day. So if you, spend, if you spend most of your day being stressed and busy and anxious and, uh, and that sort of stuff and not giving yourself any time to have a balancing effect of feeling relaxed and joyful and playful and whatever it is the, the emotion that you'd like to feel more of you know the, the very positive emotions if you don't have any space for that then the sum of your day uh so let's take someone who is uh constantly feeling stressed that person is probably in a stressed state for much of most of their day their week, their month, their years, their decades. And eventually what happens is then that person just feels that way all the time mm. and then that becomes their life. Mm. And so someone who is 
you, you know, you can replace stress with, with anything that you want, stressed, anxious, um, fearful, um, lonely, um, uh, embarrassed, you know, just this, it, if you, if you're living there constantly, then it, then it, then it can feel like shit. So yeah, I really agree with you that introducing balance, uh, into your life. However, there, there's many different flavors of, of what that balance can look like. And most of it is rooted in what do you really enjoy? You know, what would you do with your time if if uh, if you had a magic wand? What would you do with your time if if you recognised that you were the the master of your own destiny, which you are? Mm. Uh, what would you? How would you choose to spend some of that time in in terms of balance? Mm. Good question, mate. You asking me that question because I can give you that answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'd love to know. I'd, I'd love to know even more. So yeah. yeah, and I'm sure your listeners would. So yeah, please. <laughs> uh, a lot of my my learning um, was to be able to put time into myself, uh, self care, which I never did. You know, never did at all. Um, my my life was thinking about work before I went to bed. Thinking about it when I got up to go to the toilet at two o'clock. Thinking about it when I got up. Uh, in the morning and straight off to work, you know. Uh, and the way I'd sort of calm down would be to grab two beers at the bottle shop on the way home. And when I'd get home, I'd be sort of somewhat de-escalated and that'd last a while, but then the emotional side would, would take off again and you start arguing with the wife and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you might work harder and you get a pay rise or a bonus or whatever, and that gives you some temporary happiness, um, but really the underlying issues uh, don't go away. So for me personally, um, it's, it's uh, not negotiable to, to spend two hours, you know, every morning on my well-being, sometimes more, you know, asking myself, uh, what do I need when I get up? Um, you know, is, is my cortisol levels high? Uh, are my um, testosterone levels high? Can I direct my testosterone in a positive way so that I mean exercise? Um, or if I'm getting up and I'm feeling quite good, then I'll sit in meditation for, for a period of time and, and connect with the heart, you know, the pure essence of, of, our, of our being you know, here without all the judgments and opinions that the mind sort of, you know, has and all the things that have been sort of bestowed upon us. And, um, you know, personally for me, uh, that, that, that took time, you know, I started off with a little bit, then a bit more, a bit more. And, um, a lot of my stress sort of went into stress. So that went into the gym and getting fitter and stronger and bigger so I could prove myself to other people. But all I was doing was repeating the, the journey that you and I have been on to try and be successful, you know. Um, so I had to flip that around again and, and sort of learn how to love myself again and be kind to myself again. And um, uh, that's not easy for a guy where we're, we're really really um, trained to to be judgmental of ourselves and critical of ourselves and not kind and compassionate to ourselves i think once we can learn that then we can start to do that more in in, in society and um you know the 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 trap of um of succeeding um you know is is very very real uh we we can get caught up into it significantly i I've seen many guys that have taken their lives in that bracket that you you were you were mentioning. Many guys in their forties, fifties, and beyond that are, that have uh, done the same thing. You know, successful people, sports people, um, you know, business people, 
well, let's, let's call them successful, but are they? I would have thought not. When, when a man takes their life, uh, I believe it's a failure in, 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 on society. You know, that's why, that's why we need to do more to be able to prevent those sorts of things to get back to, you know, uh, an almost zero or a zero, um, you know, rate with regards to it because we're, we're, we're pushing it under the carpet, we're sweeping it away. Um, you know, why, why is that, you know, sort of seen as, um, as the norm in modern life? It should never get to that stage. None of us have just been put onto the planet to, you know, pay taxes, get a super and die. And that's really the way we we're educated. You know, there's so much more to be connected with yourself and be connected with everything else in nature that we're actually not conscious of. And, you know, I always get a reminder from the indigenous. I look at the way they lived um, here in Australia and other parts of the world. They had no physical um, disease. They had no psychological disease. It's because in modern society we're actually working away from the humans' alignment. I believe is uh, you know is a, is the core reason why we're actually having these problems. You know, so to be able to self-regulate and give yourself time to connect, I think is really more important now than ever. You know, uh, because it's it's so needed to keep um, yourself physically and mentally well to be able to operate. Um, you know, through this lifetime. Um, uh, without without problems, you know, uh, we can run to the chemist for interventions, like you said before, uh, about these uh, band-aids, um, you know, they're not going to last, you know, we need to look at the, the cause of the problem, the root of the problem, and then be able to work from the ground up, would you agree? Absolutely. It's mm, mm. interesting, so is a, is a child uh, outside crying, so I apologise about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so this is where we sort of become distracted, James. Like when I was a young fellow, it was go to the doctor for, uh, for, a, for, for a masking agent for a problem. Primarily, you know, um, no one actually like really considered why these, uh, these uh, issues and illnesses were popping up. I remember I, I went to a GP um, when I was probably mid twenties, and um, I was sort of you know very much similar to where you were at that stage and he tried to put me on antidepressants and i'm sort of saying what do you want me to take these for and i, I went home and told my wife and she said don't do it so i never did you know there's, there's definitely a, a need for for that uh for, for for many people in many situations but for me uh i i was able to move through it um before i sort of you know um become a bit more aware primarily and, and i got to the stage of where you were at sort of in um, my sort of mid to late 30s and um, uh, I never really, um, you know, sort of spoke about it too much. I just sort of took uh, autonomy myself and said, right, I've got to do something about this to be proactive rather than reactive. And, um, um, yeah, I'm very lucky that I'm here, you know, in in many ways. And um, that's why I guess, you know, you and I are probably, you know, have become passionate to be able to help others sort of, realize that uh, it should never come to the state where stage where you where you were at but you know you need to be proud of yourself to take the for taking the the measures that you did to be able to move through get the help you needed and uh, and the guidance to be able to sort of come out the other side of it and you know 15 years years later here you are and you're, you know you're thriving yeah well that's right and and um you know i hear what you're saying there and i, I absolutely agree and that is that the pain that you and I have been through, uh, I think, is what drives us. So I know it's certainly, I, I, if I speak about for me, um, what what drives me is that I don't want anyone else to have to go through that experience, that pain, um, 
uh, not just individually, but for the for the folks around mm. that person as well, that the the families, the workplaces, the communities, the uh, it, it, it's it's shit house, and mm. and if there's uh, if there's any way, any impact, any word, any statement, any strategy, any habit that can help, then yeah, I'd love to 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 share that, and 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 I'm I'm an, a huge advocate of, of anyone um, who's who's also doing that. So yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's important. I think it's needed. Um, you know, there's no, not necessarily one size fits all, and there's a lot of different alternatives. And uh, you know, I, I encourage um, men and women to get involved with uh, with with something, uh, get involved in in some kind of uh, community activity or some opportunity where you can have those conversation starters, where you can tap into those habits, uh, those positive habits, where you can kill the monster early before it becomes this all-encompassing uh, quicksand sludgy effect that just you is it, when it becomes Godzilla it's just really difficult to overcome mm. kill it early know the warning signs speak up it's okay to ask for help mm. well said mate you know and, and flip it back uh, to when we were young fellas it wasn't Primarily, you know, and we, we still have that cellular memory in many ways that we that we actually sort of revert back to sometimes where we sort of think we we we, we can't um, you know be emotional with regards to this sort of stuff, or we uh, we we just feel a bit weak to be able to um, you know express uh, the way that we we feel, and you know a lot of that thinking would go back to your dad and then his dad and so forth, and you know I believe you know listening to you before your dad probably went through a fair bit of trauma possibly as a young fella and saw that sort of stuff. And that sort of relates to his behaviour, but you know, you need to be congratulated for actually saying that you wanted to break the cycle, and that was my motivator as well. Um, I remember, um, you know, some of the lifestyle behaviours that I had, which were, were you know, sort of uh, ingrained from a young age, with cigarette smoking and, and drinking, and that. I remember it, it came to me last night actually um, when I'm hearing that child crying outside, like the young guy, and there's a young young father, and. Um, and he smokes, you know, and, and I was at, a, at the stage where I was holding my three-month-old and I'm thinking he's crying because he can smell this bloody terrible cigarette smoke on me, I'm sure of it. So I gave up smoking then, you know. But um, some of those behaviours that, uh, that um, you know, that, that have sort of been sort of stuck with us for a long time, I, I think if you can give your body a break by, you know, doing some things which are more healthy to it actually helps your mental well-being and then you sort of feel a bit clearer in that, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, look, it's it's proven there's plenty of research that, that talks about uh, things like nicotine and alcohol and, and illicit drugs and prescription drugs. And, uh, and, and just on that note, I'm not suggesting that anyone gets off any uh, prescription drugs uh, without the, the uh, careful consultation with their medical professionals. Mm. Uh, but it's, it's certainly shown that, that um, those substances have side effects, uh, uh, nicotine, alcohol, illicit drugs, and, and some prescription drugs. Um, you know, it's a, it's a balance of harms, I guess, with the prescription drug that... Um, you know, the the balance of the improvement that it can bring to you versus um, you know some of the side effects and 
um, you know, sometimes we, we just have to accept that, that <laughs> some of those side effects for, for, for those medications. But certainly anything that's, um, that's more recreational, um, yeah, studies will show that, it, that it's, it's proven to have a negative effect on our uh, physical and mental health. And and it's a it's a compounding effect when you when you're a bit off your game and you feel off your game and that that has you feeling further off your game and it's and it's just this cycle and um, there are um, an abundance of um, folks out there that can help with uh, you know um, helping with, with addictions and I'm not judging it's not a judgment uh, it's if if um, you know, if you wanted to, to move away from that, well, there, there are there are folks there that can help. But yes, I, I absolutely I agree that um, that the smoking and drinking and illicit drugs and so on uh, has a negative effect on your physical and, and mental health. It's proven, and um, uh, moving away from that and introducing more positive, healthier habits, replacing. Uh, those um, vices, I guess, with um, um, something that's uh, that, that 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 provides the equivalent level of uh, certainty and variety and experience and uh, result, resulting feeling. Um, but what can you switch smoking out for? Holding a pen, drinking <laughs> a bottle of water, um, you know, going outside to your balcony. Uh, your backyard, your 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 barn, and um, wherever it is that you're smoking, and and um, and still indulging in the same uh, experience without the nicotine, mm. by way of taking five minutes to have a few breaths, just mm. to go out there and breathe and get some sun and take a take a break. I, I was a smoker, mm. and I smoked for thirty years, and and. I know firsthand the difficulty that I had with quitting, so I'm not suggesting it's an easy thing to do. Um, and what something that helped me was was that same uh, idea, which was don't give up the going outside for five minutes. Mm. Still do that. Still go out and have that. Oh, I found it relaxing because it was a it was a circuit breaker in my day that I'd take that five minutes for myself. Mm. Um, but can you do it without the nicotine component, right? So, uh, yeah. Um, mm, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, well said, mate. Yeah, to be able to yeah, replace uh, a habit. But isn't it interesting, like, how society sort of uh, trained us to uh, to take these uh, interventions? Like, through sport, it was always flogging us uh, cigarettes and booze, and now it's junk food and gambling and, and that, you know, and... Um, uh being aware of that and actually like not getting um you know uh sucked into the, the things which can cause um you know disease i guess is is really important you know it's okay to have a beer and a bit of shit food occasionally but if you're doing it regularly it can knock your nervous system around as well and that's when the darkness and so forth can really come um it's uh, you know it's a it's a battle of life you know the way society sort of uh, has become you know we're not doing a lot to be able to uh, really provide a holistic place of, um, uh, of nourishment for humans. We're sort of distracting from that in many ways because there's money in it, right, I guess. And just to be aware of that, um, you know, is, is really important. And I, I guess, 
everything that, that, that I spoke about before with, with what the Indigenous people were doing was successful. You know, I think the more we can get back to that sort of lifestyle and those behaviours, I think the better. But James, I'm really interested to see sort of post that journey, how you sort of come out of things and obviously, um, you know, what, what you sort of did to be able to sort of, you know, manage yourself better and, and some of the, the healthy habits you brought into your life, you know, post that, um, that period in 2006? Yeah, uh, initially it was a difficult journey. The first two years was, uh, was hard. Uh, I just, I guess, uh, decided to, that I, that I wanted to recover and I wanted to not go down that path again. So I, a significant thing that changed for me was that, um, that where previously I'd been stubborn to any self-help, I've been very resistant to, um, I, I guess from a place of need, from a place of, uh, being on my knees, uh, I very quickly had to learn to receive mm. and by receiving, I mean support and help from others, guidance, um, uh, medical intervention, um, uh, support from family and friends. And it was kind of like a, it was, it was a tough experience. And I actually think that I still, I'm still learning, you know, 15 years later, I'm still, uh, every now and then my wife will say, uh, remember to be a good receiver <laughs> as well as a, mm. as a good giver. I was, I was certainly the muscle for me of, of giving to others was uh, a lot stronger than, than the receiving muscles. So, I know. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, I had, a, had a lunch with a buddy a um, uh, couple of years after uh, the 2006 sort of desperate period uh, in fact, it was probably about four years later, so about the 2010 mark. And we went out for lunch, caught up, had a good chat. Um, and when the bill came out, I grabbed it and I went up and I paid it. And I came back to the table and I was expecting my buddy to be... Uh, appreciative and say oh thanks for taking care of that and he looked at me and he said you're a effing asshole mm. and i don't know if he was kidding or serious so i soon figured out that he was serious and i said what do you mean what are you talking about and he said uh well how do you know that i didn't want to pay for the bill to be able to give to you and I said, well, I didn't even really think about that. He said, you robbed me the opportunity. Mm. He asked me, how did I feel when I paid the bill? I said, I felt really great. I said, it was a really nice gesture to, to be able to, you know, buy your lunch and, and, um, and give you that experience. And he said, well, yes, you robbed me of the opportunity to be able to give that to you. Mm. And it was a really great distinction. And it, and it, and it you know, really, it, um, it, it made me aware of, uh, okay, yeah, I, I spent quite a lot of time giving to others and having, being able to have that joy and that experience of giving to someone, which is, for, for, for myself, is, uh, you know, it creates this really nice feeling like this, um, you know, I'm, 
I'm worthy. I'm creating something really nice for someone else. I'm creating joy for a person. I, you know, all, all these all these emotions and feelings. Mm. And I recognize that by not receiving, I am robbing anybody else who is trying to give to me for having that experience, that feeling, that joy in their life. Mm. So it was a really strong turning point for me where from that point onwards i've worked very hard on receiving mm. but like being really okay with it you know if if, if i'm out to, to lunch in a in a um, similar situation with a different person and uh, before i grab the bill and get up and go and pay for it I, I might ask the question um how do you want to do this you know is it is it dutch or whatever um, but certainly if somebody says to me, oh, I'd like to pay the bill or I'd like to offer you some time or I'd like to give you a gift or I'd like to whatever it may be, um, rather than being resistant saying, oh, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, you know, don't, don't you know, I'm like, you know what, that'd be great. Mm. I really like that. Mm. And, and really tapping into rather than saying no, 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 what I would say afterwards is I'd say, Aaron, I really appreciate that gesture or that gift or, you know, thank you so much. I mm. appreciate your time. Mm. Uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, I really developed being a, a far better receiver and, and that ties into overcoming the stigma of, you know, you, you touched on some of the stigmas that, that uh, people face and, Particularly, I know that um, these stigmas are stronger for men. You know, not asking for help is a stigma. Uh, I'm okay is a stigma. Mm. Uh, I don't need help is a stigma. She'll be right, mate. I'm good. You know, we say all this sort of stuff. Uh, it's not true. And yes, those stigmas exist. And, and, and I think if each of us really ask the question from time to time, Rather than having this automatic response constantly of I'm okay, I'm good, everything's fine, mate, she'll be right, occasionally saying, hey, you know what, actually, um, do you have a minute? You know, how do we get these conversations started? Mm. There's a lot of initiatives out there mm. and, and there's plenty to tap into. I, I like the, the work shirts that have um, uh, conversation starters on the back of them. Mm. Uh, I like lots of organisations that create opportunities for men and women to, to you know, in a, in a very non-threatening, very safe environment to be able to raise issues that are going on. So, yeah, look, I, I, I suppose in the beginning it was a, it was a, if you want to change a behaviour or a habit in the beginning, it feels like you're forcing yourself, like it's, because it's different, it's not automatic, you've got to deliberately make a decision to do something different. My decision was to be more open to receiving and, and you know, and, and being okay to ask for help. And it's not easy, and it wasn't always easy. Mm. But then you know what, Aaron? It becomes a habit. So the new habit that forms is progressively over time is, yeah, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be very good at receiving because of the situation that I had with my buddy at that lunch where he said, you're a effing asshole for robbing him of the ability to be able to give to me. Well, I don't want to rob people of that ability. 
that's great. That's a win-win for all, right? Mm. If someone wants to help out and by receiving that help, they feel great. Well, then I feel like I'm helping them out and it's it's this kind of reciprocal kind of issue. So, mm. um, yeah, changing the habit, being okay to, to, to receive, being okay to ask for help, um, figuring out ways to have conversation starters, um, tapping into any time that there's those initiatives like Are You Okay Day, as an example, you know, throwing out a post to those that you know, um, sending a couple of text messages around, um, creating, you know, being creative with uh, like a, a, a soft startup, you know, um, um, someone in your circle may not immediately go into the the glug of what's going on mm. um, but a soft startup might be you know Aaron zero to ten how are you feeling today mm. ten being great you know and if you say seven eight nine ten all right fair enough if you drop in a five or a four or a three or a two it's like oh shit um sorry mate I, I didn't know you know hey while we're here is is there something you you like to share or uh, you know, I've got a few minutes, you know, do you want to, or do you want to set up a time? Do you want to, you want to catch up? Is there, is there something that you think that I could support you with or, mm. you know, kind of so just those, those types of conversation starters, mm. uh, I think can be very helpful. Mm. There's, um, there's an abundance of, uh, of groups out there, um, um, you know, friendship groups, um, men's groups, support groups. Um, uh, common interest groups, um, offline, online, uh, that sort of thing. So I think, you know, um, getting connected uh, through, a, through a special interest or a, um, a friendship type group, I think can be very helpful as well, uh, you know, because um, then you just, you just have more social supports around you. Mate, so so you've done a fair bit. I think you've mucked around with Tony Robbins and that there for a while too. Is that right? I have. Yeah, I've uh, been been to many events as a participant, and and later on, I made an application to be part of the team. And so I've uh, for around about ten years, I've been an event coordinator, a uh, held a. a Sort of a triaging leadership role, and um, and these days uh, uh, the title is trainer, and trainer in in other environments might mean coach or mentor or um, you know group leader type things. So yeah, at a Tony Robbins event, um, three, four, five times a year, I'd be a person that um, shepherds or guides a um, hundred or a couple of hundred participants. Uh, through their event and I would be the go-to person for yeah for a hundred or a couple of hundred people uh, over say a Tony Robbins events are typically multi-day uh, long days so you know 12 hours plus a day three four five six days even um, so yeah I'll, I can be a go-to person in that environment mm, incredible unbelievable experience to sort of see where you've come from from a pizza shop to, to doing that sort of stuff but, uh, but that, that's the journey of life, you know. I'm not a, I'm not a butcher, you know, I'm, I'm now a such and such, you know. We, uh, a lot of the old thinking was, you know, your dad and my dad were just 
that title of what they did and that was it. So we've actually got a whole generational change going on here where we've actually been able to evolve into different things. And it's interesting now where, you, where your journey's taking you, what is it that you sort of focus on, um, focusing on these days? Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful question. So outside of, I guess, um, uh, balance within myself, which you know, we've touched on, I'm certainly really focusing on on that uh, for me and and, um, and continually asking the question, how do I have a work-life blend, mm. uh, not necessarily balance, but mm. work-life blends that mm. kind of works well for me. Um, yeah, look, you know, it's a, it feels like a really long journey. You know, 15 years ago, I had three suicide attempts in a desperate six-week period. And, um, you know, for, for some men, the, the, the crisis could be slower. It could be health-related, uh, an avoidable heart attack, stroke, diabetes. Uh, uh, you know, I think back to that point and I think, well, what would have made a difference for me, whether it was, you know, mental or physical, in my case, um, you know, a combination of both, and I thought, well, if I'd been able to meet with a group of men who were experiencing some of the same life challenges, well, that would have made a big difference for me. Mm-hmm. Belonging to some kind of men's peer group, support group, friendship group, at a club level, online, offline, uh, I think would have mitigated my risk of disaster at that at that point there would have been conversation starters i would have felt that i could speak about it and even if i couldn't even if that wasn't true i bet that other men of that group would have noticed the signs Mm -hmm. would have said hey what's going on tell us more what's going on underneath that what's deeper than that for you so yeah um you know i asked myself the question what would have helped and you know from my own disaster combined with extensive research i developed a, an online network of men's groups type model uh it's called man online man the man's an acronym it stands for men's accountability network it's online mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's it's this network of men's groups. It's for men. It's by men. It's talking men's stuff, and men are in groups of around about ten, uh, with a, a a guide. I guess the guide you could think of that as a coach, a facilitator, or a mentor, or a um, program executor, <laughs> um, and. It's um, groups where the men would meet on a regular basis, maybe fortnightly. Uh, It's really up to the men, but fortnightly is about the typical sort of way. They meet online. They meet online for an hour and a half to two hours, once a fortnight, and they talk about different topics. Stress, anger, fathers, mothers, parenting, porn. Uh, You think of a... A topic and and these men will talk about it so yeah i've been investing a significant amount of time into this um it's it's based on the recommendations that have come out of a lot of the research around men's health and well-being which uh in, in many of those recommendations are to reduce or how do you reduce social isolation mm-hmm. how do you reduce 
stigmas and overcome those stigmas and part of it is um you know creating a, a safe trusted community-based environment that includes peer networking community it includes uh, some education and awareness like literacy you know i think that if i had greater awareness about what was going on for me and i knew the path that i was on the 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 rocky road, so to speak, the downhill spiral. If I was aware of the path that I was on, maybe I could have done something about it. Mm. Um, it, it, I was, I was unaware, and it ended up being, uh, you know, too late. I was too deep in that quicksand to be able to, you know, fight my own way out of it. And I, I needed, you know. Um, uh, serious intervention from others to really sort of help to overcome that mm. but yeah i i um i've invested into uh you know time and energy and effort um and research and um i've contacted every single man that i know aaron yeah every man that i know at some point over the last years had a phone call to say do you know what um if if um if we were to create something like this do you think it's a good idea do you think do you think it would be helpful do you what topics would you want to come up with what um you know so um yeah a lot of calls a lot of time very passionate about it and and it's basically it's not uh, it's not anything new men's groups are not new they've been around for uh, decades and centuries and millennia even uh, i'm sure that there was some uh, cavemen that got together in the cave and they talked yeah. about hunting and fishing and um and their their cave wives and all sorts of stuff and cave kids and all these things that were going on um and in these modern times uh, especially with technology um i suppose a, a key difference here is is the ability to to uh, have these online groups based on commonality uh so it might be men who have recently gone through divorce it might be men who have young kids their new fathers might be men who are reaching retirement ages the men are grouped through life transitions and i you know the feedback is it's really helpful um especially men who are in regional and rural areas i remember when i i was living with my dad and i was 15 years old and i was in this town of 300 people <laughs> every single person knew what was going on yeah with everyone yeah and and it's difficult it's it's a it's a compounding issue the the statistics for men in rural and regional areas are far worse far more significant than those in the metropolitan areas mm. and i think it's because of the um you know some of the the, the talking that goes on it's very hard to hide it's very well not that you want to hide but it's hard to have discretion it's hard to have confidentiality. Um, whereas uh, what's been created here with Man Online allows for men in rural and regional areas to, uh, to be able to connect. So, you know, you can have a man in Ballarat, where I grew up, connecting with a man in Bundaberg, Queensland, mm -hmm. Bernie, Tasmania, Bunbury. You know, you can have these men who are connected without geographical boundaries, Brazil, for, you know, anywhere, mm. that come together under 
some kind of commonality, whether it's going through divorce, whether it's um, you know dealing with the the unemployment, you know temporary unemployment, dealing with stress, whatever whatever it is is the is the commonality. To be able to just talk about it, mm. um, I think that 15 years ago when when I was desperate, if I had have had a group of blokes that could have said it's okay, mate. We all go through this from time to time. It's going to be fine. Don't do anything stupid. Uh, we're here for you. Talk to us. Um, that I think that would have made a really big difference. So from that came this concept. And, um, yeah, that's where I'm investing my time. And, I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny. You mentioned pizza before. It's a long journey. Uh, I think we are... We, each of us are the sum of our experiences, mm. good and bad. Mm. And you know, I've got my pizza experience, I've got my training and education and, and customer service experience and leadership and management. I've got coaching, I've got the Tony Robbins. I've got my own lived experiences of difficulties. People like you, Aaron, and these types of conversations all become the tapestry and the fabric of who we are. Mm. And, uh, and right now, my laser focus is pouring into uh, these online men's groups to provide opportunities for men to uh, talk about what's going on for them, deal with some shit. Um, uh, and it's not just, it's not crisis, uh, you know, exclusive. It's not just, you know, desperate situations. This is preventive maintenance. Yes. Um, you wouldn't buy an engine and and never service it for the next 40 years you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have a major piece of machinery that you never uh had anyone look at from a preventative maintenance perspective so a lot of this is preventative maintenance Mm. building skills building tools building resources in us not every man gets to crisis yes but every man will have challenges that he might not have the skills and tools at his ready to deal with uh so get connected is my advice uh you know wouldn't 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 life be uh easier if if not only did you rely on your own skills and tools but you could rely on the skills and tools of other men uh women if it's women's groups uh community skills if it's if it's mixed groups um yeah, wouldn't 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 life just be easier if you could tap into the skills and tools of of others as well as your own? Mm, well said, mate. You really need to be proud of yourself for, for getting that that going and and you know having it accessible to people out there. How can people uh, have a look at it or maybe reach out to you for some every, uh, further information? Uh, yeah. Uh, do you have show notes? Uh, sort of, yes. I can put them in there okay. for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can we can send you send you a link so that it'll be in the show notes. Uh, other than that, the easiest way would be uh, just to come to our website, which is www.manonline.com.au, uh, or alternatively, uh, googling my name, James. Grima, G-R-I-M-A, and uh, some kind of um, links will come up, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever it may be. So, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Love to have that conversation. 
and um, um, thanks for the opportunity, Aaron. Oh, mate, it's been a, been a pleasure. I'm sure we're going to have uh, plenty more conversations uh, down the track um, with regards to all sorts of stuff. So I'm really grateful, you know, for for, for your time uh, today to be able to talk about this in your own journey and. Um, Mate, you know, you're all probably almost 50 if you're not already, but I reckon the next 50 are going to be even better. So uh, the, more, uh-huh. the, more, the more reward, not so much reward, but the more, the more uh, I suppose, uh, joy that will come from helping others um, will outweigh the, the, the financial reward of, uh, uh, of, of going through suffering in, in many ways, you know. So, you know, we're all, we're all not meant to be on this planet to struggle. We're all really meant to be here to thrive. So it's finding ways to do that and being able to connect with people like yourself that can give them guidance to, uh, to be able to find their alignment. And I just think we're all got a purpose here, you know. We just need to be able to be open and uh, able enough to be able to move into that, James. So really grateful for the chat, mate. And, um, yeah, I really encourage anyone listening to reach out to you for... Uh, for more info on what you're doing and look at looking at the website and maybe getting connected with um with the men online you know growth and uh, how that can you know certainly help uh an individual um uh, that may may be struggling or may not be struggling just to you know help them uh, yeah stay stay physically uh emotionally uh, and mentally well you know that's that's what it's all about the maintenance side of things because yeah you're right if we don't do the work, then sometimes uh, the nervous system will knock us around and uh, we get a wake-up call for that, you know. Uh, so it's really good timing that you're doing this, mate, and really congratulate you for what you've done. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I, uh, I receive <laughs> your, 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 uh, your um, uh, acknowledgement there and thank you so much. And, um, yeah, I wish uh, you and... Your, uh, your audience all the very best and uh, yeah thanks again for having me on the show